All right. How many of you brought your Bibles? All right. Would, yeah, come on. I want to talk to you about something very interesting this morning. Um, man. Because <clears throat> vision is not a place, vision church is not a place where you can really hide very easily. Um, it's not because, you know, you come in here and, man, people, uh, we're so thankful because people here are hungry for God. And it challenges everybody. You get around hungry people, and what does it do to you? It makes you hungry. And I love that because it challenges us. You know, if we're around people, if you're around people and you're hanging out with them and they're not convicting your heart very much, you might want to think about who you're hanging around. Good night, drive safely. That was, I feel like that was a great, that was really that kind of word, you know, that if, if I'm hanging out with people and, and I'm not challenged by their life, I'm not convicted by their life, I need to take stock in how much time should I hang around this person? And, and, I, and so I love that about this church because this is a intimate group but it's a powerful group because the presence of God shows up here every week. And people press in. You should, you should hear the team back in, I don't know if that's a green room or what it's, well, I don't even know what color it is, but it's just this little room. And man, when they press in in prayer, it's like I get chills because of the, of the war, like zeal of people praying. And so it's pretty exciting to me. But let me tell you what vision is not. Vision is not a gathering place for the offended and the critical. Yeah, it's not. And how do I mean that? I mean that in this way, that if you've come from another church, if you were at another church and you left and you didn't leave happy, and I don't need to know the situation, I don't want to know the situation, but the important thing is that you leave another place right. And if you didn't, I want to challenge you this afternoon, you need to send an email to them. And why? Because this is critical for us moving forward because of what God is taking us into. That if you don't leave a place correctly, that goes with you. That means if, you, if that doesn't get taken care of, you're going to leave here incorrectly. You know, because it goes with you. But if you break it and you get rid of that, you, you forgive and you release and you allow them the opportunity to forgive you, now you're stepping into something amazing. See, we should leave places in such a way that people want you back. Not so that when you leave, they're like, oh, thank God. Good word, Pastor Phil. So, and then... <laughs> I'm just encouraging myself, it's okay. Um, but here, here's the other thing, is that another thing that Vision Church is not is, is a place, I thank God for people. Um, because we, we have a lot of people that have input into this church. In fact, um, we, we have a group of people that gets together um, about once every couple months. And it's, I mean, it's not a, I can't refer to it as a think tank, but it's the heart and soul of the church. And, and we listen to what people have to say because we, 
we want people to ask questions and people give input. And it, it's amazing because it's a collective energy that helps us walk toward what God, the purposes and the plans that he has for Vision Church, you know. Um, and so we love that. We love the accountability of that and the family of that. But this, but this is not what Vision Church, this is what it's not, though, is people coming in here maybe from another place because maybe <clears throat> with, with a motive to repair or fix what's here. Because you're at a maturity level that maybe only others only aspire to be. See, if, I, if I'm at a place where I ever go and I listen to a message and I look at the person, I think, you know, I could do a better job than that. I should go home, lay across my bed and cry out to God and ask him to forgive me for pride. Because I, I will receive very little from somebody if I'm scrutinizing or I'm too busy picking apart what they said, what they did. I totally miss what God wanted to do in me. Is that... Does that make sense? Or if I come to the church with, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help, you know, bless their hearts. I'm, I'm going to help them get a vision for, you're already coming with the wrong motive. I, believe me, I did not want to preach this this morning. Can I just say that? <laughs> Can I just disclaim that right out, out there for me? Because I was like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I'm just the crazy guy that's obedient. That's all I am. That's all I am. I'm not, I'm not pointing any one person in particular. I'm not eyeballing you and saying, hey, this is you. I'm not pointing you out. That's not my heart. But my heart is, is because where we're going, these are things that bring division into the church that prevent us from reaching our full potential as a church. That's the last thing I want. Because think about it. Think about this. Every, every deno most denominations started out of what? Disagreement and doctrine. Most church organizations, many of them, started out of a disagreement over here. That's, that's concerning. Because a lot of those disagreements, there, were, there was anger, there was hostility, there were even war. Wars happened out of these disagreements. Well, that's, that should tell us already that wasn't, that's not, wasn't God's plan. We step out of love then we've stepped out of God because why? God is love. And so because the church, because of that, we wonder why people don't want to come to the church. And it's because of the disunity, the disagreement, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, the offense. And these are things we've absolutely got to turn loose of. And we've got to let go of. And so, so God gave me something to present to you today that I felt like is going to unify us as a church. Because I will stand before God and give an account for us, for, for leading this. You know, you're God's people. I'm not claiming you as my people, okay? Uh, although I love hanging with you. I'm claiming you as God's people, you know. But I'm going to give an account for what I did, what, what I said. Okay, so you're with me, right? <clears throat> Okay, yeah, I'm going to skip over that. Thank you, Steve. That's, I'm with you. Okay, so, uh, man, I had so many different things that I wanted to say here. But let's, let's read this verse in John chapter 13 first. 
John chapter 13, the gospel, beautiful gospel of John. I'm going to look at verse 34. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Look at your neighbor. Say, love me. Love me. Yeah, love me. I love this. Cool. Uh, just as I have loved you, you shall love one another. So just same way that Jesus loved, we're to love. And he says this in verse 35, and this is out of the NLT. It's interesting how it says this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for other Christians. Jesus, Jesus is talking about other Christians. <laughs> Your love for them is the proof that you love me, that you're my disciples. All right, so love is the proof. Now, I want to read to you another scripture over in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to read this one out of the Message Bible. It says this in verse 9, anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates his brother or sister, and when it uses the word brother and sister, that means Christian, Okay. Is still in the dark. So anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates his brother and sister is still in the dark. It's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and does and doesn't block the light from others. Doesn't block the light from others. That's a very interesting statement. When we used to travel, we traveled um, for five years with a production that was housed in a 20,000 square foot tent. It was a huge air inflated structure. It was 200 feet by 100 feet. And every city that we would go, our responsibility was that we would go travel into the city weeks before the production came and we would uh, recruit churches, meet with pastors and ask them to come and help us. We needed 150 volunteers every night and then what would happen is this was a walk-through theater experience that presented the gospel. So they literally saw Jesus on the whipping post and then Jesus on the cross bleeding for them. And then a local pastor would give an altar call in the final room. And then they would sit down and they would talk about, with someone about the spiritual condition of their life if they wanted to. And so, you know, we would give all those follow-up cards to the pastors so they could follow up and, and, you know, get them into their church and disciple them. And, and so anyway, so we would meet with these pastors. Well, there was a minister that decided they wanted to purchase our first tent before we started traveling. Now, these are extremely expensive tents. And so we were very honored. And at that time, they had a television program, uh, still do today. If I told you who it was, you would know. And, and so they purchased our first tent. Well, they even put it on the broadcast and talked about how they were, you know, talked about our ministry and what God was doing and that they felt to sow into the first tent. Well, you know, we had this video and then we put their name on one of our brochures. Well, what I found was it started, when I would go in and I would talk to these pastors of certain denominations, I would discover very quickly that because they saw their name, they wouldn't help us. They wouldn't help us present the gospel to their city. Why? Because there's a name of a person that we don't agree with. We don't want anything to do with them. Well, that doesn't sound very, does that sound like love to you? Am I misunderstanding love? It said we're to love our brother and our sister. Oh. Huh. And so 
they, so as a result, their people couldn't volunteer. We didn't get to give them cards of people that, because we would literally have thousands of people come through the production every city we went to. And so they blocked, what did it say? And doesn't block the light from others. It blocked the light from others because of what? Offense. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses won't come. They're going to come, right? But I heard this recently, and I thought, I was asked recently, uh, if, you, if you were going to have a superpower, what would your superpower be? Say it again. What was that? Oh, talking to animals. Nicole's a bee, and she wants to talk to animals. Okay. She already does. He's like Cinderella. I don't know why you want that superpower, but anyway, you already have it. But... But, but then I heard something that Bill Johnson said, and I went, that's a superpower. Because offense has a superpower. Do you know what it is? It gives you the ability to hear things that were never said. Let me say that again. Offense gives you a superpower. It gives you the ability to hear things that were never said. It gives you, it gives you the ability to see things that were never done. Good night. Drive safely. That's another one. Okay. Proverbs 19.11 says this, good sense makes one slow to anger. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Brothers are going to offend you. Sisters could possibly offend you. But it's to your glory to overlook that offense. Let me read to you another scripture, Proverbs 25.8. It says, don't jump to conclusions. Uh Uh-oh. This is the message. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. Don't jump to conclusions. So, getting back to doctrine. So, if there's these divisions of doctrine, right? So, if, if doctrine becomes the priority, then Jesus is not Lord, doctrine is. If doctrine becomes the most important thing, then Jesus is no longer the most important thing. Doctrine has replaced him in the church. All right, let me, let me put it this way, because it, it creates this division, but what, what, what God wants to do is he wants to take the D out of your vision, okay? He wants to get rid of that. And let's think about Paul for a second. Paul, the apostle Paul. Paul, before he became Paul, before God renamed him and his name was Saul, he was zealous for God. He really was. He was, he was so zealous for God. I mean, he knew scripture. He went after God with all of his heart. And he was the one that stood by and held the coats when they were stoning Stephen and he was endorsing what they were doing. He, he was the one that got letters from the high priest and said, let me go after all these so-called, you know, this movement of Christians and go after them. And he began to persecute the church, right? Well, listen to what it says. I'm gonna read a couple scriptures to you. The first one's in Philippians chapter three. So if you would like to turn over there with me. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 4. It says this. This is Paul talking about himself. He said, though I also might have confidence in flesh, if, anything, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. 
circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Oh, my word. This is a guy that followed the law to the T. This is the guy that is the extreme Pharisee, Pharisee of Pharisees. But what did he say? He said, I count my life, I count all my achievements, all my accomplishments as rubbish. Now, 1 Corinthians, turn over there, 1 Corinthians 2, because I want you to be able to see this. Because he looked at all of his achievements and he said, those are no good. But this one thing, everybody say one thing. He said, this one thing I've apprehended, I have latched onto, I've grabbed a hold of this one thing. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 1. He says, and brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech, of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech uh, and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the doctrine of men, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but it should be in the power of God. Now listen to what he said. Paul said, for I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is sound doctrine. It's so simple. Jesus Christ, him crucified. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that Paul latched onto. In essence, what he's saying is, all of these other things that I know about Scripture, I haven't come to you with persuasive words. I haven't come to you in the way that I could because Paul knew the Torah. I mean, he knew Scripture and he could... He could, probably, he could out-debate anybody, but he said, no, I've reduced myself to one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, Phil, I've, I feel like doctrine is very important. I mean, Scripture says, how can two walk together unless they agree? Amos was the one that said that. Do you know what he was talking about? He wasn't talking about other people agreeing with your doctrine. He was talking about you agreeing with Jesus. <laughs> Go back and read it. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about you and I aligning with his doctrine. What's his doctrine? Jesus Christ, him crucified. And we've gotten into these squabbles and these debates and these conversations that pull us further and further away from each other. I mean, if you need a classic example of that, just look at the Democrats and the Republicans. There could be no bigger gap. You're, because that's what doctrine does. Doctrine causes you to say, we're right, they're wrong. And no one can come and walk with you unless you agree with my doctrine. And that's the, that becomes the definition of unity, and that's not unity at all. It's conformity. Thank you. Come on, honey, help me preach. Thir- 
31 years of help. That's what I've needed in my life. So thankful. But do you see the, the, the doctrine dilemma there where it's causing us to walk in dis, disunity, disharmony, disagreement until we understand the one thing, the doctrine that God wants us all to come to, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all that matters. Feel you're oversimplifying it. No, no, I'm not. I'm getting rid of confusion. Sound doctrine. Jesus Christ, him crucified. Oh, my. Let me tell you, let, let me say this, because the other thing that all of these squabbles and over doctrine and issues do is it pulls us away and sidetracks us while there's bigger issues going on. I came across this story. I thought it was really interesting. In 1917, the Russian Orthodox Church bishops were having a convocation. They were having heated debate with much feuding and argument, and it, I mean, anger was flaring. <clears throat> and then just a few doors down the street, another meeting was going on. The Bolsheviks were meeting together, plotting how to overthrow the czar. This is the revolution that began, became what we know now as communism. They're having this argument down the street. And what was the church arguing about as the empire is crumbling around them? Over how long the candles should be, either 18 inches or 22. <laughs> yeah. Just paused for emphasis there. Are we doing the same thing in the church, though? Because uh, that's what happens when we get into these doctrinal debates. We get into these issues, and we abandon Jesus Christ and him crucified in order to make sure that we're on the same page with this. I don't want to start listing line items, but this line item, this line item, do you, are you, you know, are you, do you agree with me on this? Do you agree with me on this? Do you agree with me on this? Well, then, well, I guess we agree to disagree. No, let's agree on the one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, okay. All right, let me s stick with my notes because I'm, ex I'm, I'm getting excited here. <clears throat> I will. So, can I, there's a piece of paper in here I need. <clears throat> my, uh, I was thinking about some of these phrases um, because I, I was born again as a Methodist uh, and I'm so thankful for the Methodists because I, I don't know that I'd be born again. They, they taught my mom how, how to uh, do street evangelism, how to lead somebody to the Lord and she led, came home and led my two sisters to the Lord and I learned about heaven and hell and I got scared. I didn't want to go to hell and I asked mom to pray for me, you know, and so I gave my life to the Lord at the age of six sitting at the kitchen table, and uh, in fact, the property where we had the tent revival, the owner was saying, he, he said, so are you a Methodist? And I said, well, sir, I was saved as a Methodist, so I'm thankful. And he goes, well, that'll do. He said, I'd a little bit rather have a tent revival on that property than anything else. And so he let us use it. We were thankful to use that. But I grew up as uh, later, because my parents, when they found God, they really went all in. 
And when you go all in, you want more. You're not satisfied with just, you know, just this for so long. And they said, we want more. We want so much more. And <clears throat> so we wound up becoming non-denominational, and I grew up in a charismatic church. And then I married a Pentecostal, so that's been fun, you know, because <laughs> the charismatics thought they were right, but the Pentecostals were right. So I had to no, I'm teasing. I don't want to start a fight. I'm going to start a doctrinal fight right in the middle of this message. But anyway, <laughs> and so, I, so, you know, I was, I was raised charismatic. So when we were pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky, um, we had a group of people that we were pastoring. We were looking for a building, you know, similar to what we're in now, and we didn't know what to do. And we kept driving by this church building that, and we found out that the, the church size had dwindled down to where they had like 10 or 12 people. And that was it. And I thought, well, you know, let's go meet with the, with the denomination and see if they'd be willing to let us, you know, help grow the congregation, maybe use the building and bring our people in. So I met with the district office of this particular denomination, met with the director and, you know, told him about our plan and our thoughts and what do you think? And he said, well... He said, I have an important question. Are you a part of our denomination? And I said, well, no, sir, I'm not. And he said, well, you know, I can't have you guys meet in our building or pastor our people if you're not a part of our denomination. And that would have been a good place to just end the conversation. And I said, well, yeah, yes, sir, I completely understand that. And I thought we were going to be done. He said, well, he said, what are you? You're non-denominational, right? I said, well, yes, sir, I was raised non-denominational. And he said, well, you know how our denomination feels about the non-denomination people, don't you? I thought, uh-oh, this is not going to be good, but here it comes. He said, he said we, we think that you guys are non-denominational because you just can't get along with anybody. And with that, I just said, thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it. And we left, and I thought, wow, that's so I wanted to sing that song, why can't we be friends? But, I mean, it's like... Because you think, okay, wait a minute. When, when, our only, when our main doctrine is Jesus Christ and him crucified, that swings open the door to a lot of working with a lot of people. And that should swing wide the door. We, that, should, that should cause us to let go and drop things that are not majors, not major on the minors. So I'm looking for a volunteer. Who, how many of you have ever seen something like this? You have? Huh? You ever seen that? Okay. Huh? Who's a volunteer? Yeah. You want to volunteer? Is she volunteer? Yeah, come on up, man. Come on up here, Alan. Okay. All right. So, Alan... So everybody, can you see that? I know I kind of made it small, but all right, everybody see that. All right, so Alan, what we're going to do is we're going to have you describe what's on the page here. The best that you can. Just uh, use your words and try to describe. A red dot. Okay. How many of you, that's a good description. All right, tell, tell us more about it. It's a circle. Okay, it's a circle. It's good. All right. Yeah. Any, anything else? Do you see anything else? No. No? Okay. All right. 
missing something? No, well, it's, it's what I, I missed and everybody else missed that has ever done this for the first time, is that you miss everything else that's on the page because all you see is the dot. But there's a whole page. There's nothing on the page, but there's a whole page of white, right? You, you see that, right? Thanks for letting us here. Give this to Nicole, would you? So, so here's the point. It's what we focus on. Are we focusing on the one thing that we don't agree with? Or are we focusing on everything else? The main thing. That's the page. Does that make sense? And here's why I'm telling you that. Because God's put it on our heart as a church to take church into community in a new way for us, not... Uh, I mean, we've done lots of outreach. Many of you remember we did grocery distribution all during COVID every month. We gave groceries to hundreds of families. We had the warehouse for a whole year that we outfitted apartments, houses, full, fully furnished their house. And we got to pray with some people. But God began to convict my heart about what I just read you, Paul said, Jesus Christ and him crucified, a way of taking that to community, you know? And because a lot of it is a lot, all, all the other stuff was good, and, and it's a lot of good work and, and great volunteering. <clears throat> but I'm interested in seeing fruit that remains in people's lives. I'm interested in us being in a position, all of us, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to lead people into a relationship with Jesus, not to just get them to pray a prayer and get the monkey off their back, but that they would truly come to know who he is. So beginning in September, we're going to be um, going to Salem Springs, and we're going to take Jesus to the square in different communities and different cities uh, around the state and, well, around this area regionally. And then I know God's going to be branching us out uh, to go to more places and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ through, we're going to take our full worship team. We're going to lay hands on people and pray for people. We're going to evangelize. We're going to love on people in community and basically do maybe even a tent revival without a tent. We just have felt this burden on our heart. And in order for that to work, I feel like it was a real God timing that, we, that he brought this message to us to come to the agreement of Jesus Christ and him crucified so that we can reach people and not nitpick over semantics and things that really are not salvation issues, you know? <clears throat> I was going to say something, but I, the Holy Spirit told me not to. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, but <laughs> it's okay. I'll get over it. Um, so so that's, that's a part of what we're doing. The second thing is this, is we're going to be going, we, we have been several times, but we're going to go consistently to uh, the Hawkins unit, in, which is a prison 
there south of, of Little Rock, and we're going to be taking a van every, every month down when they have it and be able to go down and minister to those guys, take a group down there. And, and we're very excited about that. So, so I need some of you guys that want to go, men, this is for men, if, if you want to go to that, we need you to fill out an application uh, because they have to do a background check on you. It's, you only have to do it one time. And yeah, and uh, you need to see James Dalton for that so we can get your information and we can do that. But I, but I want to do a couple of things um, here and wrap up. There was one more item. Make sure I didn't forget anything. Oh, here was the other thing. The other thing that we feel to do, and, and James and I have been talking about this for some time, and, and we're going to be doing it as well in retirement communities and places where people can't get out and can't come to church, is slowly we've been investing in uh, being able to live stream our service from front to end. You know, not just the message, but we want the worship in there and everything. So we bought a recording system, and we've been working on the mix for, uh, for some time to be able to make sure that our music sounds as close to what it sounds like here on the television so it's not, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And so, <clears throat> so we've been working on that and, and we're, gonna, we're talking with James about being able to do it in prisons. I just have a strong desire to be able to live stream into prisons, guys that don't have a service or can't get out. And also retirement communities. We already have retirement communities that are excited about us uh, being able to live stream on Sunday and they could bring their people out and, and, and participate and be a part. So these are just some of the things. And I know God's going to add to it, but we really want him to do it and, and not get in a rush because there's a lot of need out there. And need doesn't, we don't, we're not called to meet every single need. But we are, we are called to do what God prompts us to do and leads us to do. That's our responsibility. Um, so I'm going to do uh, something important here at the end. I'm going to ask um, two of our board of trustees if, uh, if you guys could come, Lance and Dan, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to have these guys pray. <clears throat> Dan and Lance both serve. Come on up here, guys. I want to, want to get a good look at you. Um, but, <laughs> but Dan and Lance uh, both serve on our board of trustees. And I, what I felt compelled to do is, is I want us as a church to pray over where God is taking us and, and make a quality decision that we're laying down issues and we're taking up his mantle which is Jesus Christ, him crucified. That that's, that becomes our main doctrine, our main theology, you know? I mean, I think everything else is less important to that. And so, so anyway, so if you would, would you bow your heads all around the room? I'm gonna have Dan and Lance pray over us and I want us I'm to agree muted. together and pray over, over these outreaches. Thank you. Father, I come and just thank you. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I stand in agreement with this statement that it's one thing. Yeah. There's one thing that changes lives, and that's you. There's yeah. one thing that sets captives free, and that's you. There's one thing 
that heals the brokenhearted, and that's you. Lord, I am so excited to see one thing proclaimed. Regardless of all the other stuff that goes on in this world, all the other stuff that goes on in bodies of your believers, Lord, there's one thing that is important, and that is, as Pastor Phil said, you and you crucified, which releases every single thing we need as a human race. It brings unity, it brings wholeness, it brings clarity, it brings vision, it brings protection, it brings provision. So Lord, I pray for clear minds that you would open our ears, open our eyes, that our spiritual ears and eyes, that we would hear and see where you're taking us, hear and see what you have for us, that we wouldn't question the vision that you're calling us to, we wouldn't question what we know you've spoken because we can verify it in your word we can verify it in the history of what you've done through your words so father i thank you that as we go forward we're not making a path we're following your path lord we are walking down the trail that you've already laid before us your word says Happy or joyful are the feet of those that bring good news. So, Lord, I thank you that we are able to walk in the joy of the Lord. And in that joy, we receive the strength to press forward in everything you call us to. Lord, I pray for favor that you would put people in our paths, put people in front of us that are desiring to hear the good news without even knowing they're desiring it. Lord, that you would put people in front of us by, by creating divine opportunities for us to be able to hear beyond what people are speaking into what they're saying. And Lord, in that, we're able to answer before the questions even asked, we're able to answer the question they have about eternity, about the one thing, which is freedom in you the answer to everything they have, that they need. Lord, I thank you for favor. I thank you for clarity of sight and sound. In Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for bringing this church together. We thank you for where you're leading us. We thank you for the word every day. We thank you for the outreach, the guidance you're gonna give us as this church goes forward. And Lord, we just ask that you be with us every day. Give us guidance, give us strengths, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to go out into community. We thank you for the opportunity to be your hands and feet on a daily basis. And Father, we let go of issues and we choose to just love the person. God, help us to take off the tool belt and stop trying to fix people but to help bring them to you. You're the best fixer. 
And we thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for, for Dan's prayer. Thank you for Lance's prayer, God. We set our faith with it and we agree in Jesus' name. Everyone who agrees, say amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lance. Um, <clears throat> one, one other thing I want to mention before we pray and dismiss is um, we're, we're working on a system where uh, people that wear hearing aids, that sometimes it's difficult to understand or maybe my microphone's not loud enough or that kind of thing, um, but they would be able to hear more clearly. And so, so would you be believing with us for that? Because we've been looking for systems and we diligently, and we think we've found one. It's a little more than what we were anticipating. And so if God puts it on your heart to sow toward that too, that would probably be a blessing too. <clears throat> Before we go any further, I just felt if we could bow our heads. We're talking about taking this message out to community. But we never want to overlook or think everyone in this community is right with God today. Yeah. Wow. Come on. That's our main goal. I told you earlier, yeah, we have an agenda. And that's to connect people with God and break every barrier between you and God. There's no shame from God. Shame is from the enemy to keep you away from the throne of God, to keep you away from running back to the house of God. But I will tell you this, conviction is from God. Conviction brings you to the house of God, brings you to the heart of the Father. So if there's anyone here whose heart is pounding and you're like, I, I, I need to make it right with God. Yeah. Maybe one day in the past you were, but maybe you've drifted or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Today is your day. And that's what vision's all about. People have no vision because they, 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 they lack vision because they, they, they're ignorant, you know, they, they, they're a lack of knowledge, a lack of the Holy Spirit in their life. So if you're in this room today and you wanna say yes to Jesus, you just simply slip up a hand, say, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna get right with God don't want to leave this place the way I came in. I'm saying yes, and I mean it. You put your hands down. Thank you, Father. God saw your hand. Yeah. Now you're on the hook. <laughs> but let's all pray today. Yeah. Like it's the first time we've ever declared our love for God. Repeat this prayer after me and you mean it. Dear Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I can't hear you. Dear Heavenly Father. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father. I come before you today. I come before you today. And I ask you. And I ask you. 
to forgive my sins. To forgive my sins. I no longer. I no longer want to do life my way. Want to do life my way. I declare you are the boss. I declare you are the boss. And I will walk in your ways. And I will walk in your ways. And I will bring you my life. And I will bring you my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. And I pick up your life. And I pick up your life. Thank you. Thank you. You are my God. You are my God. And I am your child. And I am your child. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God. We're right with God.